Name a career in which you may not have to worry about performance and still get paid, uh, besides the weatherman. Well, of course you expect your broker to perform well, but what if they put your money in the market and the market doesn't perform? 50% chance of rain or sunny skies. Is it time you learned how to keep your principal and protect your gains with a higher income strategy? That's why to tune in to the Total Financial Hour with host Eric Hallaby, Sundays at 11 a.m. Learn about your financial power on the Total Financial Hour, Sundays at 11 a.m. on AM870, The Answer. The information on this show is not intended to be the primary basis for investment decisions and should not be used to provide financial advice. Please obtain the guidance of a financial professional regarding your particular financial concerns. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. This program reflects the views of Arif Halavi, California Insurance License 0B93792 of TFS Financial Insurance Services. TFS Financial Insurance Services, California Insurance License Number 0F22477, provides retirement income strategies using insurance and annuity products, which are guaranteed by the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Total financial Good morning. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being with me. Talking about your family's finances, of course. It's an amazing time when you think about getting out of debt, managing money, planning for the future, and then something comes along and changes everything, right? Especially if you're in retirement. You know, I always say the the biggest challenge for those that retire is what happens to the market, the economy, your retirement account, six months after you retire, a year after you retire. If you have it in the market and the market makes a big change, if something dramatic happens, then all of a sudden your lifestyle, what you called normal, you left your job, you're in this kind of no man's land where nobody will hire you back, certainly not for what you were earning before. You're in this no man's land, if you will, because you, you're still young. You can do something, but you chose to retire because you thought you had a certain amount of money. And now we get to that place and the market drops. Hundreds of points, thousands of points. Now, it's not just the market, right? When people say the stock market, it's almost like saying, hey, did you know it's raining today? You could always be correct when you say, did you know that it's raining today? Now, you're going to sit there and look outside and go, no, it isn't. No, I didn't say here, somewhere. It's the same thing when you say the market is up or the market is down. Oh, no, I didn't say your portfolio. I just said the market. Because your retirement account can be high when the stock market or the Dow Jones Industrial Average is low and vice versa. Unless you exactly own everything that's in the exact same place as whatever they're quoting, which most people don't. So don't follow along with the market's up or the market's down. The market, the market it, it's not a thing. It's, it's, almost, it's exactly the same as saying weather. It's shiny. It's sunny. It's rainy. Right? Your retirement account has to be right for you, not what some esoteric market guy with a bow tie or glasses or, or uh, you know, a nice three-piece suit is on TV screaming and yelling or talking to you. Right, one of the the most phoniest—I don't know if that's even a—the the most phony thing I've ever seen is when a man wears a shirt and tie and then rolls up his sleeves. It's like it, it's like those uh, mullets, you know, where they say "business in the front, party in the back." <laughs> What's the difference when you wear a suit and tie? You're like, no, I'm serious, but I'm one of you because look, I rolled up my sleeves. And so whenever anybody comes to me that way, I go, that's a calculation to make me think something 
It's almost like a forcing the issue. I share that with you because I'm starting to watch a lot of these commentators in daytime and, and afternoon television on the business channels, and all they're doing, they, they just want you to think they're one of them. You're just one of them. And you don't realize the rules and the handicap and the handcuffs that are on financial people that are still licensed, that are still able to trade or do whatever they're doing, and give you advice. Now, we can speak in general. That's, how I, that's why I, I just speak in general. I'm not saying buy company X or sell company Y. The moment somebody does that, there's a whole host of things that have to happen, regulatory-wise and uh, rules. And we have to be careful because there's a lot of them. You need to know what they are so you don't get in trouble. But when it comes to your retirement accounts, there's just something about having a genuine sense. Is this person telling me the truth? You know, one of the things my dad said to me when we were young is he said, look, your life is not just your life. He said, I came to this country. I did all my struggles. I worked hard. He said, your grandfather left Lebanon and went to West Africa, and he worked there for 30 years. We did those things so that someday somebody, which is me, could benefit. And in some cases, people did that kind of work so that those that they would never meet could benefit. And he said this. He said, it's like you are standing on my shoulders. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get you as far as I can. And then I have to pass it to you. And now it's yours. There's only so far I can go. And once I do, now it's your, your responsibility. So that your children can stand on your shoulders. And I thought, well, that's, that's pretty amazing, right? That's truly an immigrant mindset. I'll work three jobs, I'll work the weekends so that I could pay for your college so that you have a chance to not work in the factory or the plant or the mine or the fields or whatever. Right? People do that and it's a generational thing, it's a legacy thing because part of our life is not your life. It's about the people that came before you, their sacrifices so that you could have a shot, so that you could have a chance at doing something, being something that was just really only a dream for them. You know, when my dad was in this little town in, in uh, Lebanon, one of the, the funny things, uh, I guess, ironic at the time, was in this world, there was uh, the village, right, people, <laughs> not, like the, not like YMCA, it was the village people, and then the sophisticated ones down in the city. The sophisticated ones in the city, those were educated. They wore suits and ties. You know, they had cars and they had uh, money and businesses and buildings. And the ones in the villages were still sophisticated, but in their own way. Except my dad's village had three schools. Very rare. Most places had one, sometimes two. But his had three. A French, an Arabic, and an English. So when they were younger, they asked, which one do you want to attend? And my dad said, I want to go to the English school. So that's why he learned English fluently at, at, as a little boy. And the, uh, the funny thing in the story was he learned about California from that school. Whoever were the missionaries or the people there that were teaching or the student teachers or, or uh, the, the folks from the United States. Right? A lot of them were teaching, just like today. People teach overseas. They teach English, whatever the school subjects are. And here in the 30s and 40s, in the 50s, in the mountains of Lebanon, 
That's where my dad learned about California. And everything about California was how amazing it was. Opportunities, the weather, the people, the tolerance, the diversity, all of that stuff that happened. And so that's why when he came to the United States, landed in New York, was his goal was to eventually make his way to California. And he did. He stopped in Michigan for a bit, and that's where he met my mom. He was there for, I don't know, six months or so. They knew each other for four weeks before it was, I basically, four and a half weeks, from hello to I do. From hello to I do was four and a half weeks. That's, that's uh, isn't that one of those 90 days fiance? Right? This was, this would be less than that, 35-day fiancé. And so when this took place, right, he said, well, part of the reason that it is, I'm going to go to California. My mom said, well, that's the exact same thing for me. I'm in. So a few months after they were married, off they went, drove west, took their time, did some visits, did some you know, stops along the way, looked at some sightseeing. And, and along that journey, though, the goal was California. So what is it today? One of the last, I think it's 48 or 49th in education for school. Right in the 70s, we said, ah, kids are working way too hard, way too hard, kids. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to lower the standards. That's what they did in the 70s. What else do you have? You have government overreach telling you exactly how to walk, talk, eat, what to say, what to do when it comes to education. Heaven forbid, try to <laughs> try to be a teacher and teach. Try to be a teacher and talk about your life experiences. Try to be a teacher and talk about something controversial without somebody's feelings being hurt. And then you offended somebody. You know, the offended thing was, was the you problem, not, not the me problem. Right? Andrew Dice Clay, do you guys remember him? George Carlin, do you remember him? Eddie Murphy. Even George Lopez, uh, you know, the, the uh, Trump hater. Funny, funny people. You all should be offended by everything those men ever said. We should be, what is it, canceling them? If you were to, to live in a socialist society, that's what they do. But what I do is I watch them and because they're funny. And then when they're not funny or it's too much, I go click and I shut it off. When we saw George Lopez, uh, you know, live in concert, yeah, I cringed. Some things I didn't agree with, but I didn't cry. I didn't want my money back. I didn't Twitter about it or, or let's, let's can't hashtag cancel George Lopez because uh, I disagree with him. Are you kidding me? Because you know the left's going to eat its own. California has turned into this uh, utopian society. Read about what Robespierre did. And if you don't know who that is, guys, I'm sorry you were educated at LA Unified. Because it was very difficult to ever learn that because they didn't talk about anything when it came to education. They just felt sorry for us. No kidding. If you had an honors class in the, in the L.A. Unified School District, you, you based, for me anyway, in the Valley, the Northeast Valley, I went to the same classes with the same people. There's like 40 of us in the honors out of, I don't know, 2,000. And, and the 40, we were in the same classes. And so I share that with you because that's how bad it was back then. 30 years ago, 40 years ago, and they changed it, right? They fixed it, right? Teachers have come out of school, had a career, and retired in the same 40-year period of time that we still can't seem to get it right. 
and have everybody learning at an honors level. But we didn't. We can't. Because in order to do that, we could hurt your feelings. Because we have to say that probably, just a guess, it's probably because you came from a broken home. Doesn't mean you're bad. It means you have a mom that works 25 hours a day and there's nobody watching you. Or it means that you have drug addict parents. Or maybe it means because you've chosen a life of crime. Maybe your problems come from something like that. But the education system has turned itself into becoming this socially fixable thing. Especially here in California. How about this? Reading, writing, arithmetic, civics. Let's throw some history in there so you know we can learn from it. Oh, wait, half of those things just offended you. Because the new math, one plus one isn't two. It depends. How do you feel? What do you want one plus one to do? Right? All of a sudden, what is normal is crazy. And here's what they do. You guys know what you know it. You know why? Because you're listening. You're listening to me still. You know it because behind the scenes, as soon as you poke your head up and you talk with any friend, right? It's like we're trying to get, uh, you know, Jews out of Nazi Germany. And every time you turn around, uh, you know, you say something and you're like, oh, I don't know if that's going to bite me. That's the wrong person. Did I tell the wrong person that I'm trying to help innocent people? Did I tell the wrong person that I'm a conservative or that I like Trump? Heaven forbid. I spoke to somebody the other day and he didn't, he was talking about, and if it wasn't for those racist Trump voters, I'm like, do, do, do you have any idea that, I don't know what number, 97% are not racist people that voted for Trump? There's black and white and Hispanic and women and Asian and young and old and gay and straight. And what, what, what's the. So instead of that person being shunned or, quote, socially corrected. Everybody has to sit in the room and go, yeah, give me the give me the communist pen. I'm going to put that on my lapel. I'm a member of the Communist Party. Right. Every time somebody tried to promote in the dog catcher, water district. Whatever system they were trying to promote. Heaven forbid they try to move up into party politics. Every writing that was done, every evaluation that was done by their supervisor said, and they support the party politics. I'm, of course, paraphrasing. They believe in the communist and socialist ideals. It's like what they used to do when I was a policeman. On all of your reports, on the end of your report, the bottom of your report, on your evaluation, right, my evaluation as a policeman, or as a training officer, whatever my job was, I would get an evaluation. You're supposed to get one once a year, once every six months, depends. Sometimes you never get them, right, for years. But on the bottom it says, Arif Hallaby supports the affirmative action values of this department. They didn't ask me, right? I'm not saying I do or don't. I'm, what I'm telling you is, it's the symbolism over substance, we're going to write down so that everywhere in their, their evaluation, probably some of you in management in private companies. And then that became unconstitutional, affirmative action. Oops, sorry. Scratch that out. Communism was overthrown. Oops, sorry. Nazism was overthrown. Oops, sorry. Burn, burn that old uniform. I, I was just working for the, uh, you know, I, I'm a 
street policemen. I wasn't in the SS. Right? So many times we've had evil be defeated this way, and now they're going after decency. I don't know how long, you guys. Your retirement, if it's coming to the United States to make a living, and then it's to stay in the United States to retire. This is the most amazing country in the world. But we have choices. Because many of you, we came to California. right? I was born here, born and raised here in the Valley, actually. But my dad came here by choice. My mom came here by choice. When they did, this was the place to be. What I'm saying is, because the United States is a free state, where you, a free country where you can move back and forth, why are people leaving California? When for generations, it was the place to come. You know, look at Grapes of Wrath, right? Read the book. Where do they want to come to? The fields of California. Abundance. They wanted, all they wanted to do was pick fruit, live, work. Provide for their families, but in California. And today, you have countless people over and over again who are doing nothing but worry about how they can socially engineer the next greatest thing. Because your family has mobility now. Look, one of the consequences of of this coronavirus thing is you realize you could work at home. But it's also that employers realize they don't need you. There's a lot of you that just aren't needed. Right? When you are at work and you look busy versus productive, you look busy, then then your boss is going to say, well, he must be busy because I see him over in the corner. He's working hard. He's walking back and forth with the, with the clipboard. Walking back and forth with an orange vest and a hat. I always say that. You can get in anywhere with a clipboard, orange vest, and a hat. Attitude. You also need the attitude. So what takes place is businesses say, wait a second. We may not even need six people for that department. We can get away with five. And we're going to let them work from home so we can get a smaller building. We don't have to an air condition or, or pay for. Larger lease. So I think that there's going to be some big changes Because email, FedEx, UPS, postal service, right? I can go online, order something, and it's in my office tomorrow. So I think there's some big changes coming. And as that does, guys, you're going to leave your job because maybe you'll find a better one. Maybe this layoff will be permanent. Maybe you'll go back to work just enough time for them to reassign you to someplace else. And you say, I'm not going to do that drive. I don't need it. So you're going to have an old retirement account, 401k or 457 if you work for city, state, county, government agency, that kind of thing. School district, many of you won't go back to work in a nonprofit or school district because in nonprofits, for example, the funding is down. School district, I think many people are going to keep their kids at home. They're going to homeschool. They said, really? That's what we did when we homeschooled our kids. It was simple. I went and volunteered at school for six months or whatever it is, a semester. And my son was in second grade and I was the reading dad. And then I was the math dad because the person didn't show up sometimes. So every, I think it was Tuesday, I was the math and reading dad. And then, but I would hang out and and I'm thinking, wait a second, all day long, this is all they do? We're paying thousands and thousands of dollars a year because it was a private, little private Christian school. 
So I thought, oh, you know what? This The regulatory stuff and the rules, we can't take them out of school. We can't go to SeaWorld. We can't go to, to Disneyland. Forget it. We're not going to do this. So we pulled them out of school. We said, we want to educate the way we want to educate. And in doing so, surprise, they were done by 10, 11 o'clock in the morning, 12 noon, which had time for social events, tennis lessons, piano lessons, choir, baseball teams, softball teams. My daughter was one of the only females on the, on the boys' baseball team, not the softball. She's like, Dad, I want to play baseball. I go, oh, you mean softball? She said, no, Dad, baseball. So I go, no, you're kidding. These people are going to throw pitches at you. <laughs> my little girl. Yep. Well, same thing with my little boy. I don't want anybody throwing anything at him. But sure enough, she did a pretty good job. I think she was one of the top base dealers on the team, actually. She was one of the fastest. But this is important because that was a morphing time for us. Today, that experience that we went through as a family is now across the country. So what are school districts going to do? I think they're going to hire less people. I think if you are, quote, a smart PhD educator, curriculum developer person, you've already gone to work. You should have your website up. You should be interactive. I don't know. Bring on investors. Use your own money, cash in, whatever. Because I think the need for that space is huge. Now, listen, I'm not an economic predictor. That's not my job. But you might end up being out on the street. You might be kind of forced to retire a little earlier. For many people, when they retire, it isn't their choice to say, I'm retiring at 62. They wanted to go to 65. Or retiring at 57, I wanted to go to 62. Sometimes that doesn't happen. So you're going to have an old retirement account that's part of this formula. Don't lose it. Don't put it in a place where you can lose it. Right? We've spoken before. I'm going to give you just kind of a heads up. This is something we just found out this week. Another, you've heard me talk about the Woodbridge Ponzi scheme. You've heard me talk about 1GC or First Global Capital, uh, both designated by the SEC and the FBI as Ponzi schemes. You may have lost money in either of those two. I'm so sorry. They have come to us, me and and my firm, uh, at least twice, sat me down. You should offer this to your clients. It's a great investment. We looked at it, and I don't know, it might have been 10 or 20 minutes. I took out my calculator did the math and said, wait a second, this is crummy. There's no way this can work. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 this is the best. I said, no, you know what? No, thank you. Something's wrong with this. I don't know what, but we're just, we're not going to do this. Surprise, Ponzi scheme. Now, it took a, a couple of years. But what else is happening? Simple. There's another one out there. I'm not prepared to give you their name, but I just want you to know, if there's any kind of investment that tells you you are putting money into a private placement or a limited partnership or you're lending money to small businesses or you're an investor in in, uh, gross proceeds for retail companies or something, do your homework. Take everything you have, go to an attorney and say, is this legitimate? And not just any attorney, not the guy who defends drunk drivers and also gets you, you know, better visitation for your your divorced children, right? Wife. No, no, no. This is, you need to go to a specialist and you ask the attorney, is this a legitimate investment? Am I missing something? Yes, it's going to cost you money. Yeah, you're going to have to pay for his or her hour or two of time or whatever. But 
if somebody is bringing something to you, again, I'm not prepared until the SEC or the FBI, if, if they choose to indict or, or announce this or whatever they plan on doing, if that's the case, then I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to tell it right here on the air. But other than that, that's, that's not my role. I want you to speak or, or think about this in a global standpoint. Think about it in a macro. You have to be prepared to lose money if you're going to go to some of those investment choices where it's not guaranteed, it's not secure, right? And do your homework. Okay, so part of what I want you to do, guys, when we come back, I'm going to get into how to pick a beneficiary for your 401k. The pros and cons. Pros and cons to picking and choosing a beneficiary to your 401k. And then also I'm going to touch on some things to do when you retire. I've got some ideas for you, some new things that are coming up. And you guys are clients. You're the ones that are coming up with some amazing ideas. Keep them coming. 888-99-RETIRE. 888-997-3847. 888-99-RETIRE. Stay with me. Be right back. Financial security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power. Security will help you live the life you dream. Learn about financial power, total financial. Hey, welcome back to the show on AM 870 The Answer, your place for news, talk, and information. I'm Eric Hallaby, the Total Financial Hour. TFS Financial Insurance Services talks about your family's finances, of course, sometimes getting out of debt, managing your money, planning for the future, trying to figure out how to, in this case, or who to assign as the beneficiary for your retirement accounts. Most people know of an IRA, traditional IRA, or a 401k. 401k just means that you work for a for-profit company. So it would be like a, a, a corporation that's a publicly traded corporation or a private company like mine. You could have a 401k if it's a small business, large, medium, it doesn't matter. Okay, so your retirement account that comes through a for-profit entity is called a 401k. That's where it's found in the IRS code. You just go to 401, subsection K. Up oh, there it is. So it isn't anything special. It doesn't mean anything fancy. It's just a retirement account that says if you work, you can put in a certain amount of money for a period of time. And then you have to take it out in a particular way. Now, if you work for a school district, hospital, research facility, or nonprofit, yours is often called a 403B or a tax-sheltered annuity, TSA. That 403B, or TSA, acts almost identical. Now, it didn't used to. There were some other rules. But today, they're pretty much the same, which means you go to work, you put money in, you don't pay taxes today. When you retire, where you retire, whatever tax bracket you're in when you retire, that is where you pay taxes. It's why a lot of people leave California, as we spoke about in the last half hour, when they leave the state, their income taxes are based on whatever state they live in. So if it's Texas or Arizona or Idaho, you pay income tax based on that state's bracket. Not here in California, even though you might have earned it while you were here, you pay taxes based on when you take it out and whatever your tax bracket is. So if your tax bracket is higher, you're going to pay more taxes. A lot of times people forget when you're working, that's when you have generally the most write-offs. 
Your house mortgage, you still pay interest. Your minor children, they're at home and you get tax write-offs. You're going to have money that goes into your retirement account so you can reduce your incomes there. You have, you have other business-related expenses, write-offs, etc., and those things can help drive you down the road of reducing the amount of taxes that you pay. So be careful if you think it's the old school way, which is, look, th- these were set up when tax rates were 70, 80, 90%. And so people said, gosh, whew, when I retire, I'm going to be in a lower bracket. So I'm going to put money aside so that when I retire, I'm not in the 70 or 80 or 90% tax bracket. I'll be in the lower tax bracket. So today it's different. Taxes are pretty much the all-time low, at least in the last 60, 70 years. I don't know how long they're going to stay this way. I can tell you that most likely they're going to go up sooner rather than later. I'd say five, maybe eight years. They're going to have to. There just isn't money. We keep spending and then we're going to give everybody $1,000. No, I'm going to help them. No, no, I'm going to help them. Right? It's almost like the left's race to the bottom. I'm going to do this. Oh, yeah, well, I'm going to do this and that. Well, I'm going to do this, that, and then another thing. And before you know it, everybody's giving away the farm and nobody's working anymore. All right, so one of the things that you need to with your retirement account, and I want you to do this just like you would go to a checkup once a year, or you would change the batteries in your smoke detectors, the filters in your air conditioning, in your HVAC. What do I need you to do? Go to every single retirement account you have and make sure the beneficiary is who you want it to be. Do not think just because you set it up one way or you changed it one way that everything has changed. I can give you many, many horror stories. One of them particular, husband, wife, they were in their early 20s. He gets a job with the city of Los Angeles. They divorce after no children, go their separate ways. They both remarry. They both have their own families. Life is wonderful. No problem. He continues to promote within the city of Los Angeles, ultimately raising his life insurance each and every time. But because when he originally opened it, he put his ex-wife, who was his wife at the time, as the beneficiary. But as he now has a second wife, and he's promoted, it's a new job, a new department, it doesn't matter. You have to go in and change that. But he get, just kept increasing his work insurance. Raise it, raise it, raise it. Nice. And then it's a quarter of a million dollars, and then he passes away. 25, 30 years after he's last even seen this lady. Then she gets a a letter in the mail that says, Hey, uh, Arif, did you guys send me a check for $250,000? I said, No, it sounds like it's probably a scam. I don't know. Uh, She said, I don't know. The check looks real. I said, Well, look, I'll take a look at it. Let me see it. So I go over to her place. I pick it up. I go, It looks real. Let me make a phone call. Well, sure enough, we make a phone call. And he never changed his beneficiary to his new wife and children of 25, 30 years. And it's tax-free. So, of course, you know what the ex-wife did. Right? It's 250000 It was meant for the other people. What did she do? Yeah, think about it. Of course she kept it. She, she didn't recuse it and give it back to the family. So I want you to know this because if that is you... This is the time to change the smoke detector batteries and to check all of your beneficiaries. You're going to do it in anything with a beneficiary. So it would be retirement accounts, life insurance, annuities, any kind of account at at a bank that is a savings or a checking or an investment account that has an with a brokerage company or the bank or the, the 
person who sits in the desk in the back corner of the credit union, right? All of those people that have a retirement account, you need to, or any investment, you need to check the beneficiaries on that. Now, often the guys will be like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. That in the garage, I got to do them both, clean them both. Now, ladies, if you are the beneficiaries, then this is what I need you to do. (laughs) If you're the beneficiary of this, then this is in your best interest to really make sure that you are not going to be somebody who um, gets that phone call that says, uh, you don't have anything coming. I'm sorry, the life insurance was his mom. That happened. We had another one where the, the retirement account was the sister, even though he had married. But he was single, then divorced, got this new job while he was divorced, put his sister down as a beneficiary. Then he gets remarried and, and uh, she has children and they raise them to, all together. Life is good for decades. And then he dies. The beneficiary was his sister. Because she wasn't married at the time and, and they were close and that's what. So I don't want you to be that person who says, well, it's taken care of because I changed one thing. You do not do this through your payroll department. Let's be clear. You have to, if you're still employed, it doesn't work through the play payroll. That it might be your last check or or who gets your sick time. You think you changed that beneficiary, but you didn't change the beneficiary on your retirement accounts or the company corporate owned life insurance policies, right? Or the group life insurance policies or the accidental death life insurance policies. Those could be four or five different beneficiaries. In four or five different forms, it's a pain. I get it. But you need to check those to make sure they are who you want them to be. Because you can change them all the time. Did you know that? Now, in California, it's difficult to change off a spouse. right? You can't just say, oh, I'm going to make my new girlfriend and not tell my current wife. <laughs> you can't do that without the, there being a problem somewhere in the journey. But this is what you can do. You can... Change it to your wife or to your husband. That's not a problem. So if that's your wishes, make sure you do that, okay? Important. Assign a beneficiary. Naming a beneficiary for your retirement accounts allows them to receive your financial request without going through probate. Big deal. It's some, we're doing it right now for some clients. We, do it, we probably always have one or two or, or sometimes more going at, at any one time. Just because our firm is large enough and we've been doing this for 24 years, it's long enough time to say that our clients, some of them are starting to pass away. So we help with that. If you have a death claim, it's sad to say it that way, or an inheritance claim, come to our office or give us a call, 888-99-RETIRE, 888-99-RETIRE. I might be able to help. Right? If I can, I can go along and take a look at some of the different uh you know, areas in your life, maybe we, we say, well, why do you want this person as a beneficiary? Or maybe you should only do half and half. Where they run into the most problems is when you have his kids, her kids, my kids. So who's the beneficiary? You raised her children since you were, they were four or six years old. Are they really your kids? Do you treat them as such? Right? These are, these are your conversations that you have to have both with your spouse and with yourself. So it isn't as easy as it is if it's husband, wife, married 40 years, two kids, 
Everything's 50-50. Okay, well, that's simple. We see that a lot. But if it's a little bit esoteric where you have, you know, his kids and then adopted kids and you say, I don't treat them, then that's a foster kid. And I took over, my, you know, the custody of my niece when she was 15 and I raised her, but is she mine? Right? A lot of those things you have to walk through. All right. Important you know that because you're going to have to have this very clear and I would – look, we put it into a notebook for you. So we have a notebook that's very clear and concise. We have one phone number. It's an 800 number. The beneficiaries for each account are listed. Account X, beneficiaries are this person, this person. Account Y, this person, this person. So we list it accordingly. And you can change it, though, all the time. So whoever you choose today, you don't have to keep them forever. You can make changes along the way. All right. That's the primary beneficiary. Whenever you see the primary, that's the first that means that primary is, is my wife, my wife is me, boom, 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 back and forth. Simple enough. But what happens when you both pass away? When both the primary beneficiary and the, the current investor or saver or the account holder, what if they pass away too at the same time? That can happen. Then a contingent beneficiary receives the assets. Often it's the children. But it can be a trust, a living trust, a revocable living trust, where I'm her beneficiary, she's my beneficiary, back and forth. And then at the end, you say, okay, it is divided amongst these people inside of my trust. So check with your estate planning attorney or your certified estate planner. Meet with them. Go over the options. Take a look at what the strength is or weakness when it comes to laying down uh, the, the beneficiaries being a living trust or the beneficiaries being individuals. Okay, I always recommend that your beneficiaries are laid out very clearly and it isn't anybody that's going to question it. Right? It isn't what you talked about at a barbecue. That doesn't hold any water, legally speaking. You guys have to sit down and say, Here's who my beneficiary is and who isn't my beneficiary. All right, very big deal because this means that you and your family are going to work your whole life for this money. All the sacrifices, I want who you want to receive to get it. Okay, you've heard me mention changing beneficiaries along the way, right? When I say changing a beneficiary, there's something called a life event. What would those life events be? Well, a life event could easily be something like a divorce or your primary beneficiary passing before you. That can happen where you have somebody as your beneficiary and then they pass before you and, and you just kind of forgot to do anything about it. You, you didn't change anything. You know, Warren Buffett laid out one of the most elaborate financial plans, estate plans for his wife. I don't know when he started this, but he's probably did it you know, decades ago. That man's been wealthy and wealthier for many, many years. But his wife got sick and passed before him. And during an interview that I saw with Warren Buffett, he said something pretty interesting. He said, I never thought that would happen. I never planned for that. I never thought it would happen. So he had to go back in make all these changes, make all these adjustments so that 
his beneficiaries, whoever they would be, or however he would have it passed on, would be done. Right? A lot of these billionaires are giving away their money and doing all of those things where they, you know, they're focused on living a life of uh, of poverty on only one billion dollars instead of twenty five. And they're only going to give their children $10 million each. That's it. Those son of a guns, they're going to have to fend for themselves. <laughs> $10 million each. So I think there's things like that that you can be uh, encouraged by because here's somebody who planned and it didn't go the way he thought. All right? Something else that's a little bit controversial when it comes to your beneficiaries of your retirement accounts or your trust is having a meeting with them. Now, we did this recently in our family and with my parents, and we sat down with my mom and dad, and we said, okay, here's there's four of us kids. You know, your estate is, is rather simple. It's, a, it's basic everyday you know, house and retirement accounts. How is it that you want us to handle things? What is it that matters to you when we are inheriting this or if? I mean, you want it to go somewhere else. You want it to go to an orphanage. You can do whatever you want with it, mom and dad. It's your money. All of us kids are fine financially, thank God. All of us have great families. So this is your money, mom and dad. It's supposed to be, number one, take care of you guys. And then after that, whatever it is, after there's money left over, then wonderful. So I encourage you to have a meeting with your beneficiaries. Lay it out pretty clearly, especially if you have somebody that's one of, one of your beneficiaries that you front-loaded money to. Okay, uh, Junior needs help, $100,000 with a down payment for a house. So I gave him uh, an advance on his, his inheritance for 100000 Okay, where does that fit into the formula? Is that an advance on his inheritance or is it a gift and he still gets half of whatever else, him and Susie, the sister and brother, right? Who, who receives the money? You're going to have little side deals like that probably because if you have more than one child or more than one beneficiary, chances are you're going to have some side deal going somewhere, I want to encourage you to write that down, to have a meeting with everybody present so any questions can be asked. Well, son, you know that I gave your brother 100000 to start his business. I want you to know that, that we're taking that off his inheritance. Or I want you to know that you can have 100000 too if you're willing to start a business, if you want to leave your job, and, and I'll, I'm willing to invest 100000 with you, right? Or tough luck. I gave him that money. It's the way it goes. You know, if you want to come up with something, I'll see whether or not it's worthy of a penny. Maybe it isn't. But you need to have those conversations because we deal with it all the time. As financial professionals, people come to my office. They say, oh, I just don't talk to my brother anymore. I'm like, oh, my gosh, why? How sad. Oh, well, you know, after our parents died, he's just all he is about money. Or my sister, you know, her and her husband, they're both attorneys and they sued us for this. And they all they wanted is mom's money. Right? What a, what a problem. You might be a jerk or they might be a jerk in the story. Okay. But what a shame that your parents, uh, your grandkids and their grandkids will never know each other. They will never see each other. They can live in the same block and not, not pay attention to each other. Because the, the, the grandparent, you guys, when you, when you give your money away, Realize that if you don't do it properly, you could be responsible for breaking up your family for generations or eternity. Right? How many families 
Oh, we don't talk to that side of the family. You know, it was all your aunt, your aunt so-and-so. We have one of those, right? My great-grandfather was a jerk to my grandfather. And so that side of the family we don't talk to. So I want you to know this because you have that control. That's pretty neat. By telling your beneficiaries of your accounts who has what side deal or not, make sure that everyone has the information so there's no question, there's no access, worries of access to the funds later. You know, this is an important thing. I had a son in my office screaming and yelling at his mom. I couldn't believe it. He came in with her. She's been a client for quite some time. Came in with her to me. He was very kind at first. We're talking about stuff. He says, well, I'm, at the end, of course, you know, like basically, what's the catch? Why are we here? And he says, well, you know, I want you to convince my mom to give me $50,000. I said, why? Oh, well, I need it to, uh, you know, invest. I think it was in a business. I think the kid was on drugs, but whatever. I couldn't say that. I said, okay, what, what did he need $50,000 for? Well, I wanted it for a business. I said, well, ma'am, do you want to give him 50000 No, I don't because I'm worried about my retirement and my health care later on. And so he was an only child, so he stands up and he starts screaming at her. I told you that if you don't give me the money, I'm not taking care of you when you're older. What? Yep. I'm going to put you in a home and you're going to get nothing. Now, she was still functioning. She was still okay. There wasn't any problems physically or anything. And I thought, wow, what a jerk. <laughs> That's the only words I can use on radio. What a jerk, right? What, a, what an indecent human being to threaten a mom like that. Or another time, a lady had three sons. And one of them was married to the witchy, you know, witchy poo of the West or whatever it is. And every time she wanted money, she'd call up and say, you're not going to see your two grandkids unless you give me money. And so the son would call up and say, mom, mom, you know, she's not serious, but we do need money. And so she was always threatened to, to lose access to her grandchildren. So I want you to kind of focus on this because part of your life is to create less problems later. Now, we've had some people, this is kind of interesting, where when everything is said and done, they just take all of the funds and um, give them away to charity. Everybody gets you know a flat amount. Here it is. Everything else is sold, goes to charity. Pretty incredible, huh? So some updates on beneficiaries. I want you to meet, have a conversation, go over it with the uh, expected heirs. And make sure you update it. All right, here's some things I want us to review when it comes to things to do when you retire. Many of you were forced to retire. Uh, look, motorhomes are having record sales right now. Mobile, you know, motorhomes, right? With the, the smaller, the better. The big ones with the four kids and the, the 16 wheels or whatever, they're not selling as much. But the 25 foot and less, I don't know if that's the right number, 26, 23, but the shorter ones, we're seeing a lot of people buy these motorhomes and then hit the beach, hit the small campgrounds, the Walmart parking lots, wherever they can go. And they're traveling around when they're still younger and fit in their 50s or 60s or 70s, where they still can get around, get up and down stairs and walk around to see the sights of the country that they so much love. 
And as people do that, we just had a client do this recently. What did they do? They sold off their home and they have a beautiful, you know, big trailer, beautiful trailer. But it's still a trailer compared to their beautiful home. But they said that's what they're going to do until they find a place that they want to live. So they're just rich with cash sitting in the bank. Bills are very little. Kids are grown. They're all in college or they, they traveled. So the motorhome movement is really beginning. How about going back to school? We're seeing a lot of people go back to school. Today with online education, really the forcing of online education, you can go back and finish that degree. You can go and learn art history or culinary or something that you just really like and you don't care about the career or the job. You're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it because you love the, the, the topic. Community colleges are by far some of the best places to go. But online education, if you can't be there physically, are pretty good as well. I want you to think about starting to write down your memoirs. Now, to you, it's just called life. But there are events that occurred in your life that most people would never believe. Right? It's unfortunate this generation, some of their events are going to be looting and rioting. Right? That's the highlight of their life. Instead, I want you to talk about the amazing things that you did, the sacrifices you did, so that when the, the folks and the, and the people inherit your money, they know the sacrifice that went into it. They know the hard work that you had to do in order to just make it. And it, today, it doesn't seem like everybody's going through that same thing, but you have it. And I want to thank you for being part of the show. Hey, guys, listen, 888 retire You can always get a hold of us. I'm Arif Hallaby at Total Financial Solutions and TFS Financial Insurance Services. The TFS Financial Insurance Services uh, company, that's, that's our, our main firm, their job is to bring the show to you because they want you to know no ideas and concepts that are outside of the norms, outside of percentages and pie charts and graphs and colors. Let's keep it simple, easy to understand. That's my job. I'm Eric Hallaby. Thanks for being with me on AM870, The Answer, 888-99-RETIRE. Hope to see you this week. Have a good day. Learn about financial power. 